Welcome to the Sports Marketing Huddle, a podcast that looks at all things marketing in the world of sports. I'm your host, Rob Cressy, founder of Bacon Sports, and joining me, the founder and CEO of Bold Worldwide, my longtime co-host whose growing bold video series is documenting his journey of building a $100 million agency. You can watch it on Facebook and YouTube. My man, Brian Cristiano. Yo, what's up, Rob? Dude, excited to be back. We got a good topic today, man. You were just in New York. It was great seeing you. What, what, what are we doing here today, man? Oh, my God. My vibes are so good because the Think Bold, the first ever Think Bold Business and Marketing Conference went down last, was that Tuesday. It was Tuesday. Last Tuesday, and there were some incredible speakers. There were some incredible people that we got to meet in the crowd. And what I wanted to do was do a recap, but from the standpoint of some of the best nuggets that I learned, the wisdom that we can impart on you, the listener, that you can take on your journey. So you ready to do this? Oh, dude, I'm, I'm always ready. Let's rock and roll, man. All right. Number one, and this is in no order, and these, this is from Jeffrey Hazlett, who was, just blew me away how good of a speaker he fire. was. Dude, he's fire. He's awesome. A brand is nothing but a promise delivered. What's your brand promise? And the reason this, this resonated so much with me is it's something that I see lacking so much in the entire market of how do you define a brand? And, and we're going to get to storytelling, and we talk about it all the time. And how are you telling your story in content and building community and engaging? And it seems that brands are still so transactional and not delivering on the promise to get me looking forward to hearing back from you again. So what are your thoughts on this? No, dude, it's just like, well, first of all, getting clear on what are you promising? You know, is it, is it speed? Is it price? Is it customer service? Is it a good product? Is it to be the best? What, what is the actual promise? And then are you delivering on that promise or is it just words? Because those are very two different things. You can have a tagline that is meaningless or you can have a mission that actually has impact. So how much of this is consistency then? Because it sounds like it's an uber important part of promises because if someone doesn't always keep their promises then they're not as trustworthy so from a brand standpoint if they don't bring that element of consistency every single time like for example even look at how uh amazon with prime and the delivery and the promise that boom you're gonna get it quickly we now believe in trust they deliver on that promise for us no, absolutely. I mean, you know, look at look at Chick Fil A. You know, if if you went through their drive through or you you picked up some food there and they didn't say my pleasure and thank you, you'd be like, what the hell happened? But they do it every single time because it's consistent because their brand promise to deliver a great experience and to have really good customer service to for their you know for their patrons. So um, it, you have to do it every single time. So because if it's if it's just kind of here or there, it's not really a promise. It, it's just something you sort of might do or some people might do. So in order for it to really be a promise that you're delivering on, you have to deliver every single time. And guess what? This also applies to your personal brand. And this may be even more important because we, we talk often about building your personal brand and telling your story and delivering the value that way. But I want you, the listener right now, if you haven't done so already, what is your personal brand promise? 
every time I hear from you on Twitter or Instagram or YouTube, what is the promise you're delivering to your audience? Because I think it's something that is super important that can really define who you are. Yeah. And I'd take it even back a step further and say like, well, why are you doing it? You know, why are you putting that content out there? Why are you even on social media and engaging with anybody? Like, why are you doing it? What's the purpose? And then, yeah, what are you trying to deliver? And then are you doing it? Are you actually doing it? Well, this is a great segue to something I was going to get to later, but we'll do it now. So there was a comment in the crowd that essentially said, why would anybody want to listen to what I have to say, whether it's in an Instagram story or a podcast? And this is something that I hear often. And it really hurts me inside when I hear this because the chatter in people's heads is negative. And they're already shooting themselves down with this sort of mindset of why would anybody, when instead you should be coming from a growth and an abundance mindset where you follow the process, not the prize. It's not about who cares, who's going to be listening to this. You say, I've got something valuable that I want to share and I don't care if only one person sees it. It's better, especially me being super creative and loving the, the creative and the artistic side of things. Sometimes you just got to put it out there and you don't have to worry about what's going on in your head. Just put it out there. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, look, that's the biggest first step is, is you have to get over that fear of what if someone doesn't listen? You know what? They might not. No one might care, but that you won't know that until you do it. You can't adjust. You can't optimize. You can't change. You can't get better. You can't grow yourself if you don't start somewhere. So sure, that's a question that, you know, pops up in my head and everyone else's head, no matter how, you know, experienced or successful anyone is, or you just say, hey, what if this bad thing happens or it doesn't go anywhere? Okay. The difference though is, all right, I heard the question, great, do it anyway, and then you'll get your answer. And then based on that information, you can, you can do what you do. If people listen, great, keep doing it. If people don't, do something different. You know, that's it. Like, that is it. That's it. It's just stopping before you ever start is the problem. Why is content creation seen as almost a bigger monster? So I almost see people thinking about the negativity of content creation the same way they do the fear of public speaking. It's, is it the vulnerability of exposing yourself and the already feeling the negative results before something even happens? But why is it with, with specifically with content? Because it's really just you in a, in a phone and there's not like a room of people looking at you. But, it, but it's not, at least that's not what's actually happening here. And that's, that's why it's so difficult for many people is because you're putting yourself out there and it's the fear of what people will think about it. And it's also the fear if, what, no, what if no one cares? Then, then it's, you start to ask, you say like, well, then I guess I'm not good enough. I guess nobody cares enough. I guess I don't have a good enough message. I guess there's nothing to say. I guess I have no value. Those are the things, at least in the back of your head, my head, that happen. So it's the fear of what will people really think if I actually put myself out there, if I actually create transparency. It's so much easier to just make up some story or to type up something that's not about you. It's really hard for to actually authentically be about you because then it's real. And then the reactions are real about you. And that's the fear. What do people really think? And I don't think that people think of this as a learning process that think about the very first podcast you and I did together as opposed to 250 plus later in the growth that we've had in being better on camera and on microphone. 
And I don't think that people think of their own personal brand and content creation the same way of the, the fear of what people are going to think, but they're not, they're not realizing like in order to get good at riding a bike, you've got to try it numerous times and maybe no one's going to respond on the first time. But one month from now, people might say, holy smokes, dude, you found your voice and what you're doing is great. Well, I mean, if you go back to my earlier content and you can scroll all the way to the bottom of my YouTube channel, it sucks. At least a lot of it does. Um, you know, you don't, just, you don't just start at this point. You don't start at episode 250. You have to get there in order to get polished, in order to get good, in order to get feedback, in order to get the positive feedback and the negative feedback and make changes around it or decide you don't care about those, uh, that feedback. Um, you know, you have to get there first. But, um, you know, I, 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 th- I think, again, it's just really about uh, asking yourself this question is, am, am I trying to be safe? Like, am I more worried about like, hey, I want to just protect my ego or what I think about myself? Is that more important than your growth or your outcome or your business or whatever it is you're trying to achieve? If that's more important to you and you're okay with that, great, then don't do it. But if it's not more important to you and you think about that and say, no, like it's more important that I get this outcome or that I grow, well, then the only choice is to do it anyway. Wow. I love that question. Definitely do that. All right. The next thing, live your brand and then do it the way you want to do it. And when Jeffrey said these things, it just, it went right through me because there's, I love to audit success. So I look at the most successful people and I try and mimic it as much as possible. And I'm someone who has very much built the world in my image, but to get further um, I don't know, not clarification, but further saying, living your brain and do it the way that you want to. It felt so good for me to hear that because there is no perfect way to build a business and be an entrepreneur in this journey of yours. But the more authentic and unique that you can be to yourself, I think the better it's going to be because I don't want cookie cutter. And I love the feeling that it gave me hearing that from somebody who's lived it. Here's, here's, I'll take it to another level too, right? Okay. So forget about the potential outcome. Think about this. You could put yourself out there the way that you want to do it, the way that you want to run your business, the way that you want to do your content, and it could totally fail. You could also follow someone else's direction, the way that they say to do it, and you could still put yourself out there and it could totally fail. Would you rather fail playing someone else's role, playing someone else's dream, or would you fail? Would you rather fail? living your dream and your vision, I would absolutely a million times every single time pick. I would rather fail trying to do what I want to do and live my life and my dream versus trying to do it someone else's way and live their dream and still fail. But then obviously also, which is better? Do you want to do it someone else's way and, and succeed and say, okay, cool, their way worked? Or do you want to know if your way works? Like, I want to know if my way works. It's way cooler. Way cooler and way more differentiating. And I think that's the beauty of it. I prefer non-perfect content in brands. It's the ones that you see that you're like, man, they're they're them. And, and that goes back to the brand promise of when you've got a brand promise where you live your brand, it's a very easy thing to do. And you're less worrying about the negative chatter in your head when you just say, listen, this is me. This is who we are. This is what we're going to deliver for you. And we're going to have fun. And this is just how we're getting down. 
That's it, dude. That's it. And the, and the thing is too, if you're following someone else's version or somebody else's dream or somebody else's instructions, it's not a bad thing to do so, or at least to start there. However, you're just like them. And so if there's so many people doing this, there's so much content, there's so much information. Yeah. If you're not a little bit different, if you're not giving me a real reason why I should listen to Rob Cressy instead of the other person talking about sports business, then why do I care? I don't. And so it's like, you got to do it your way because that's actually a differentiator. And it's a reason that other people are going to come to you because you bring something unique if you're actually you. So this next one came from Brant Pinvidic. And once again, I loved Brant's talk, but this one was so beautiful and so difficult. Simplicity equals power. And he has a three minute rule where everything needs to be illustrated in a pitch in three minutes. And this is something that has been very difficult for me, especially over the last year when I hired a branding coach to help me clarify my messaging and positioning and offering of what bacon sports was and, and bringing it together with Crest Media and removing that brand and really defining who it is that you are and what it is that you do. And then this can be applied to pretty much everything that you do because it's way easier to write uh, an email trying to get Brian's attention that has 13 sentences in it. But can I get Brian's attention in three sentences? So it was just beautiful. Yeah, dude, exactly. Simplicity is the key, you know, it, and, and I get caught up in that too, because we all have all of our, all the information, right? In the context of what we do in our little world. And so we want to tell everybody all those bits of information. But when you remember that somebody else doesn't necessarily have all that context um, about all those details, it just becomes a bunch of noise and it becomes confusing. And, you ju and you, you're just taking up time that somebody else does not have because we're all distracted. And so how do you, in the most simplest way, get your information, what your message is, what you're trying to convey out of your head to their head in the simplest way. Because when there's less to absorb, it's a lot more clear and a lot easier for somebody else to take action or to understand what it is that you have to say. So is there something that you have done to work on simplicity, to try and make it, uh, like for example, on my end, one way that I've really worked on simplicity is I've taken classes at Second City on uh, comedy, but specifically headline writing. And when they were teaching us how to write for The Onion, and it's all based on satire there, you're literally talking about the, the gold standard of a joke could be three words. Yeah. Um, like, for example, one of them that I really liked was uh, Robot Arrested for Battery. And mm -hmm. it, it, was, it was an article. And it's hard to do something in just four words. So is there something that you've done that the audience might be able to take to work on simplicity? Well, I'll give, I'll give, I'll give something that I, is tangible that I, I, I used to do and now it's just second nature for me. Um, and then I'll give an, an external example that I think is very powerful and a, and a good example of how powerful simplicity can really be. So first, I think number one, we all try to say too much, especially when communicating with others. So I have a rule where um, I, it, you know, I cannot send an email to someone if on my cell phone I have to scroll to read my own email. So if I can't write my entire end-to-end -end, hello to here's everything that I need and what we're going to do to wrapping it up, thanks so much. If I, if I have to scroll on my phone to read it, it's too long. Because 
and think about that. And if you receive something and you can read it all right on your screen, you're so likely to read it because you know where it starts and ends. But if you see two paragraphs and it keeps going, you're already frustrated because you're like, oh, dude, like how long is this before you've even scrolled? So you're starting off that first sentence with a little bit of frustration, even if it's subconscious. So especially when you're reaching out to somebody the first time or first relationship or first, you know, business opportunity to keep it really short. So if you can't write it all in that one window, you got to edit it. Um, Number one. And number two, have you heard um, of the Ernest Hemingway story where somebody uh, bet him, I forget what the bet was, but a big bet that he couldn't write an entire, like he's, he, he believed in simplicity and that a story can have a, uh, an entire, you can invoke emotion and feeling, you can, you can create an entire picture in somebody's head in one sentence. Um, and some of the writer was challenging him and said, yeah, okay. He said, how short can you do it? He's like, I can do it in five words. He said, okay. And he created a bet. Have you heard, have you heard that story? I have not. It sounds amazing. Yeah. So it's amazing, right? So you think about that and you go, could you tell an entire story, an entire story that not only is end-to-end, gives you a picture and an emotion in your head in five words. And I don't mean like an advertising headline, like a entire story. Can you do it in five words? Think about that. Like, how hard is that? So like, as an action item for the listener, wait, and I'm going to do this. Wait, wait. Right. Hold on, don't jump into the action item. So I'm going to ask you, Rob, like, do you really genuinely believe that you can tell not a headline, an entire story, like, like an entire story where you can picture everything that happened end to end and have a real emotional charge about the entire story in five words. And I want, and I just want to preface this with Hemingway is one of the only people that actually pulled this off. So I'm just letting you know that this is not some like easy challenge where like everybody should go away and go create five sentence. I'm letting you know, like he's one of the only human beings that have been able to evoke that level of emotion in five words. Okay. Well, uh, am I allowed to see what he wrote to get context for how he did it or am I shooting blinds? Do you want to try it before I give you his sentence? I don't, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it off the cuff. I mean, what, what I was thinking, the first thing that came to my head is uh, using sports and being able to tie in the victory of defeat or winning or losing and how to do it. Uh, I don't believe I can do this off the cuff. No. All right. All right. Are you ready? Are you ready to hear what he wrote? Remember, yes. this is an entire story with emotion. Baby shoes for sale. Never worn. <laughs> All right. You get it? I do get it. Yeah. yeah that's deep. Think about that. That's an entire end-to-end story. Like, you know exactly what happened and the emotional charge along with that. Five words. That's tough, dude. I'm not saying it can't be done. I can't do it. It's really, really difficult. But think about how simple that is. Five words and you can picture everything that happened and how, like, heartfelt and how tough that story is, dude. That's messed up. But think about it, right? Like, again, we're not all going to get down to five words for our message or our story. But like, we're all writing paragraphs and novels. Dude, can you get down to a sentence? Can you get down to two or three sentences? Can you stay within the scroll of your phone is much more powerful than having that entire story told end to end in a 300 page novel. All right. So the next one, this is from Steve Taylor. The best way to give people advice is to ask questions to help them identify their problems. And as I started to think about this, People ask for advice often. And then I was like, well, how am I, how am I doing this? How am I offering the advice? And I loved the way that it says to ask the questions because it's really almost having them 
say it themselves and it's going to identify the problems to give themselves the answers. Oh yeah. Well, that's it, right? Like you, you have to get to the bottom of what do they really need? What do they really want? What is their actual problem and not what are you selling? Because if you understand what they really need, what their problem is, then you can ask yourself, do I have what they need and can I solve it? And then the communication is so much simpler because we're on the same page. I'm not trying to sell you something that you don't need or you don't perceive you need. I am just giving you a solution to the problem that you already have because I know what it is. And that's actually a huge challenge for salespeople. Steve and I talked about it where you've got quotas, you've got volume, and you're really trying to push an agenda as opposed to the easiest sales I've ever made in my life. And the biggest ones have been the easiest. Of course. So, of course. And it's, just, and it's just simple. Like we all overthink it too. It's like, all right, I got to tell all this information. I just go like, dude, Rob, what's keeping you up at night in your business? And you tell me and I go like, hey, how are you handling that? And you're, you tell me like how you are or are not handling it. And then I just go like, great. Do I have a solution that helps you with that? Because if I do, I just tell you about that, dude, we're, we're, we're done. We're ready to go. Like now is it, can you afford it? Like that's it. So it's, it's, it's very, very, it's so straightforward. All right. The next one is from the boss Lee, Jesse Lee Ward. And she said, you want someone to love you, you better engage with them. And then the next thing on top of this is, all right, when someone does engage with you, you want to match people's energy specifically with the comments. So for example, if someone comments it on a post of yours and puts one emoji, you maybe put two or three emojis. If somebody puts one sentence, you give one sentence and maybe a little bit extra. If somebody puts five sentences, you do five or six sentences. It's almost a, you gave me this amount of time, I'm gonna give you this amount of time back, plus some. And the reason I like this so much is it's one area, once again, where I don't see brands delivering on their promise. They'll create a post that may even call for an engagement, but then that's the end of it. I'll engage with it and then I never hear anything back and it just falls on deaf ears. So I loved the, the actionable way where anytime someone comments on anything that I do right now, I'm now going to look to match the energy of that comment. Yeah, well, it's just, it's just crazy and forget even brands like most people. They post something or ask a question or whatever and then everybody responds and then they don't respond to all of those people. They just gave you some of their time. They just gave you their brain. They just give you information. Like, why are you not engaging? Like, that's the whole purpose of social media. You're not just pushing stuff out into the universe. It's a two-way conversation. And I think Jesse Lee does it the best. I think I do it okay. But yeah, it's like you, you should respond to every single comment, every single, you know, mention, everything. And again, I, I had never heard anybody put it that way about matching their energy, but she's right. If somebody's just like a one word answer, do give them a one word answer back because they're fast, they're brief, great. If it's like a longer answer, like give them some time and energy back. So it's, yeah, you're matching that energy just like you would in a room. Like you're not walking into a, room, a library and then like yelling with excitement like you're going to come down and match the energy. It's the same thing because otherwise you'd, you'd just be like, you're totally out of place. Like you have to match the energy. I love it. I thought that was great. A great tip. Next one is from Hank Norman and this for me is a game changer for anybody who wants to build a personal brand period. And I know this from experience and I know you know this from experience from learning from Hank and it's just two words, press record. So many people have a fear of the camera and this goes back to the, will anybody listen to what I have to say? The next thing is actually the, the, how do you do this? And what Hank says is just press record. You've got to just get in front of that camera and say anything. In, in a tip that I've used 
for a lot of the people who work with me at Bacon Sports, as well as anybody who says, Rob, how do I do this? Create your first video that literally says, this is my first video. I'm Rob. And you know what? I've never really done this before. And I may be a little bit scared because I've never created content, but I run a creative agency and, and literally just, just talk about that. And the amaz an amazing thing happens when you do that. A community of people will say, you're so brave for doing this. I've been wanting to do the same thing. How did you do it? Like people will literally ask advice to a person on their first video on how they just created their first video. And it all just comes down with pushing the button and hitting record. Absolutely, dude. You just got to get out there. You got to push yourself. You got to do it. You got to get past the fear of overthinking it and just pressing record and just saying something because then there's somewhere to go. You can improve on that. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just say something, record it, put it out there, right? And, and the thing is too, right? We go backwards, right? The fear of everybody, oh, well, what will people think? Guess what? If it really stinks and guess what? Your first video, like maybe, probably nobody cares and nobody responds. So great. You get the first one out of the way and nobody notices, right? It's buried. And then you get the second one and you move on and on and on and on and on. And remember, this is my key thing. And I say this to brands all the time, um, but it, it applies to people too. Like, well, what if I say something that goes wrong or totally gets, yeah, you're going to, if you really put yourself out there, that's going to happen. You're going to get misinterpreted. People are not going to like it, but guess what? Everyone has such a short attention span, two weeks, three weeks, three months from now, everyone has forgotten about it. So just keep moving forward, like bury it, right? So like that first one that stunk, do more, bury it. Like exactly, you know, it doesn't matter. And if nobody responded even better, because if it sucked and nobody responded, cool, you got a freebie, move forward. It's just do it. That's it. Just do it. Brian, do you remember the worst piece of content that you ever published? Because I don't. With this in mind, and I actually had this conversation uh, a week ago on Twitter about the whole likes and wanting to get affirmation culture and the, the opposite of that if no one responds. And I was like, you know what? For me, it's more about publishing it because quite frankly, I can't tell you what the worst thing is that I've ever published. No, I can't tell you. It's probably most of it. Like, let's be honest. It's, <laughs> I, I don't know. I can't even pick one piece. I, like there's a few pop in my head and we're like, I didn't really like doing that. But again, I, I don't remember why I didn't like it or what. And the other part is too, dude, I can't, can't tell you how many pieces of content I've done where I was like, oh, this sucks. Like, I don't even want to publish it. Nobody's going to care. And it's like one of the better performing pieces of content. And I don't even know why. So it's, it goes both ways. It goes both ways. And again, the more volume you do, like, yeah, dude, We've done hundreds of podcasts together, plus all the other content. We've done thousands of pieces of content. I can't narrow it down to the one or two bad ones, and neither can anyone else because the chance of even finding it is, is like zero. So you just, the more that you do, the better that you get, and the farther removed you get from the bad stuff. And again, then the stuff that's great now, eventually, two years from now, becomes bad. Like I look back to like my best content last year, I'm like, it was all right. That kind of sucked. You just keep improving like everything else. Of course, and you've got to remove the chatter or really the fear in your head if you're like, oh man, this might not be my best thing. We're already doing the thing. Even if we're good at creating content, we even struggle with the, man, should I be posting this? And all of a sudden you're like, wow, I have no idea that this resonated with everyone. It's that's why when you want to do something, just put it out there and don't worry about the results. And you know what, dude, you should never try to do your best thing because guess what happens? If, it, if you put out a piece of content today that's your best thing ever, you'll never do anything as good. You know what I mean? It's just like, hey, I need it. You know what I mean? Like the bar is always moving. So like, don't worry about it. It's not going to be the best because you're going to do something down the road that's better. So keep, just keep doing. That's it. So 
The last point is from a wise sage by the name of Brian Cristiano, who said, the story is where you feel. And one thing that I think you did an incredible job of when you did your talk was the story about your journey and your dad and how that really changed you in sleeping on the couch and going to the Tony Robbins event and you deciding that you're going to take action and, and live. And I, I looked at the room and it was like, it was silent. You could, you could feel the emotion of your story. Like it, it, it I could physically feel it mm. impacting people. So elaborate on this. Well, it's funny because I, I actually had a conversation with Hank Norman last night and he said that, uh, I really don't go deep when I tell my story, he, you know? And so, and I agree with him. I, I don't, I don't think I still am kind of surface level. I think I'm way deeper than probably 99% of people that, that tell or decide not to tell those kind of stories because they're very personal, but he's right. Like even I'm not telling it as deep as I can. However, even still with that caveat, which again, by the way, guys, like, here I am, like I've told that story a lot of times and I'm on stage telling a story that most people would, would never tell to friends, let alone uh, it publicly, um, you know, and I'm opening myself up to a lot of commentary and a lot of thought and bringing myself back to places I really don't want to be. Um, and here I am at Eco a few days later going like, you know, it wasn't as good. I could go deeper. Like it's a constant improvement in life. But getting back to that topic and, you know, and, and, and telling that story, Look, it's just, it's so easy to try to just put on the polished version of yourself always. It's so easy to try to just show yourself as this like perfect thing where like, oh yeah, everything's been great and it's just this upward tick and look at me. And while, yeah, you obviously, hopefully that's somewhat the case and obviously, you know, I'm continuing to grow and things are great. But the reality is it's not relatable because most people at some point are in or have been in that point of the journey when they're on the downslope. And they don't know what to do. And, and when you're on that downslope, and I remember it so clearly, and you just look at people who are being successful, and you go like, I'm not them. I'm not good enough. It's not possible. And you really question yourself. And so when you see other people that have done what you want to do or are heading in the direction that you want to go, and then you realize that they're just like you, they're just a person, they've been through crap, and it's relatable. And then it, all of a sudden, it kind of becomes a little bit okay of, oh, wow, well, if they're going through this or have been through this and I have a similar situation, then it's okay because it's part of the process of growth. And then when things are okay, when you realize that, like, hey, it's bad, but it's okay, like, this isn't, like, just me, it's not totally unique, you can start to move forward again. And I, I, one of the reasons I tell the story is because I just remember how tough it was back then. Like, YouTube didn't exist, like, I, you know, or, or, you know, like, there wasn't a way to really, like, get the kind of information that's out there. It wasn't a whole bunch of motivational crap like everywhere. It just didn't, didn't happen. And so for me, I felt so isolated. And so for me, I go, man, if I'm not telling that story, the, you know, the 24-year-old version or 23-year-old, whatever I was at the time, 24-year-old version of me who's out there will never hear it. And like I needed like someone else to tell me it was possible. And that's what changed my life. And so for me, it's like, dude, if that even impacts one person, why would I not tell that story? And that is a huge, huge point right there. That's something that I really think about for when dealing with this fear and uncertainty of, of really getting more vulnerable with your story. And for me, the best example I can give from this is on World Mental Health Awareness Day a month or two ago, out of the blue, I decided to 
write an article telling my story of dealing with depression and how I overcame it. Mm -hmm. And I got the best feedback I've ever gotten from it on a very personal level from a lot of people saying, thank you because it's relatable and, and people understood it. And, and it's because of the, somebody else out there needs to hear what you have to say, because if you can, if you can help someone, and that's the reason why I did it because I went through it and it was horrible. And I was like, you know what, if this can even help one person who's currently going through this right now, then it is worth all the discomfort that I'm currently going through in putting myself out there. And quite frankly, the complete opposite happens. Absolutely. You know, and there's a little therapeutic act, you know, element to it as well by actually putting it out there in the world. And, and it's funny because you, you, the, the fear is, well, if I open myself up emotionally and authentically and tell these, these you know, these non-polished and, and, you know, versions of my story and the things that, you know, most I, I want to sweep under the rug, the fear is that people are going to judge you. But the reality is, if you felt something, thought something, gone through something, most people have thought, felt and gone through something very similar. And then when you just start to realize like, oh, dude, we're, we're all not that different. We are, but we're not. Like the pains, the suffering, the challenges, the roadblocks, dude, it happens to all of us. Different scales, different versions, different stories, but we've all been through some stuff and it doesn't have to be the same thing, but it just has to be like, dude, it's okay. I'm on the other side. And that has such an impact on people. And the other element of this is, you know, of course, like it's amazing to help the people that are going through the thing that you've gone through and give them some hope and some opportunity and some way to think and change their mind. But let's even say, well, hey, there's people that are listening that listen to my story that were like, hey, I'm not going through that right now. Things are great for me. But guess what it does? They're like, this dude's a human being because we all know, like they might not be telling their story. They might be putting their polished version on, but they know, dude, they've been through some stuff. And they're like, wow, this guy's been through some stuff too. And he's up there and he's doing this. That's awesome. Like, that's powerful, man. People want that today. They don't want the pol just the polished version. They want to know who the hell are you really? Because if I can relate to you, dude, I'm going to listen to the other things you have to say. Amen to that. So let's wrap a bow. <laughs> let's wrap a bow on the first ever Think Bold Business and Marketing Conference. And for me, it's three words. Mindset, change, and action. Yep. You've got to have the positive growth mindset. And then you have to say, I am committing to change. I'm not interested. I'm committed to change. And the way to be committed to change is you have to take action. The things that we talked about in this podcast, the things that I learned at the event, the people that I met that I said I was going to follow up with, you have to take action and you have to do this every single day. Absolutely. And, and I agree with all of that. And I think what's even cooler too, because I personally went through this when I didn't want to change and I had a bad mindset. The only thing that I had was I knew I needed to take action. So even if you don't know what action to take, even if it's the wrong action, just moving forward, getting off the couch, doing something and then doing something else will then eventually lead to a better mindset. It will eventually lead to the ability to know what to do or to put, find somebody who can help you do something that you need to do. So like if you can't have the mindset and you, you know, you don't know what action to take uh, or, or to, to the change, you don't even want to change, like just take some action. You'll inevitably change something and you'll inevitably change your mindset and put yourself in a position to succeed. So like if you can't do the others, at least start with some action. 
Brian, I have to give so much credit to you and the Bold Worldwide team. I'm so proud of everything you guys did with this event. It was phenomenal. You, you definitely positively impacted a lot of people's lives, including myself. Can we expect another Think Bold in the future? Because I'm already looking forward to it. Uh, dude, thank you so much, man. And it was a real pleasure. And I'm so glad that you came and UMC to talk. Like, it was awesome to have you there and everybody else and all the speakers. And my team just killed it. Um, we didn't talk about it, but we pulled it off in two and a half weeks from idea to like full-blown conference and workshop and everything and unbelievable world-class speakers. So um, it, it, that in and of itself is like, dude, anything's possible. Like, you don't have to do Like, I did it my way. Like everyone's like, you can't do an event from scratch during the holidays around Thanksgiving in two and a half weeks. It's impossible. No, it's not. We proved it. You're like you can do anything you want and just do it your way. But I went into it and I said, hey, if we can pull this off in two and a half weeks and get over a hundred people to show up and everything goes pretty smooth and people walk away and say that they got a lot of value, well, then we've got to do it again. And I think all those things happen. So I'm, I'm very confident in 2019, we will do another Think Bowl conference. Uh, I don't know when yet, but I guarantee we'll do another one. Brian, where can everybody connect with you? Oh, man. Just follow me on any social media at Bold CEO. And uh, yeah, send me a video, comment, anything, question. I will answer you. You can hit me up on Instagram at Rob underscore Cressy or on Twitter at Rob Cressy. We would love if you would press record and send a video to Brian and I, whether you are at Think Bold or not. Just press record. Let us know anything that you liked or made you think you were curious about regarding this episode. Think bold. That's it. That's all, 